started out just, you know, sort of laying in bed in the dark. That's all I was able to do. And then, so, you know, you know, we're at this sort of nine month period when like nothing's working. Uh, and then it would sort of slowly over the course of the next year, I would say absolutely excruciatingly slow process of, you know, sort of expanding on that. And, you know, it took a few months, um, you know, to get to the point where I sort of graduated from there to like the, the really like super gentle yoga. Um, and then I sort of, you know, it was just like the super small increments of like adding a little bit of, uh, of movement. But again, it was, I, I really thought about it as uh, it, it was really about sort of breathing first, it was about you know, sort of mindfulness first, and then it was just sort of incorporating movement into that. Hi, everyone. This is Sarah, the Long Haul Yogi, and you're listening to the Long COVID Hope Podcast, the podcast that tells the more hopeful stories people with long COVID. The Long COVID Hope podcast is created by a former long COVID sufferer, myself, for people with long COVID, allies of people with long COVID, and anyone else who's interested in learning about long COVID from the true experts, the people with lived experience of the condition. Today we're talking with Teresa, or Professor Levitt, as I should say, a professor of history at the University of Mississippi in the US. She spent a long time struggling with chronic fatigue and was mainly bed bound. Fortunately, she had a really wonderful general practitioner, Dr. Gisborne, which I'm heartened to hear about. As we know, a lot of doctors have not been entirely helpful to first waivers in particular. We'll be hearing from Teresa how she got from bedbound back to being healthy and active, back to running and even writing a book. <laughs> Teresa's book, Elixir, a Parisian perfume house and the quest for the secret of life is available from April 2023. We discuss our shared love of Ed Young, a writer for The Atlantic, and the Body Politics Slack group, antihistamines, and her experience taking Paxlovid, and a possible turning point around that, although she's keen to say she did not find it to be a magic bullet. So without further ado, let's get started. So hi, Teresa, thank you for joining me today. Um, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, my name is Teresa Levitt. I, um, I live in Oxford, Mississippi. I teach at uh, the University of Mississippi there. Can you tell me what your life was like before COVID in a nutshell? Sure. Um, so I was 48 years old, but I felt, I mean, I felt like I was at like the top of my game. Um, you know, things were, things were going well, like professionally, things were going well. I had, uh, I had like just gotten a book contract, uh, like in February of, uh, 2022 that I was really excited about. I was excited to, uh, get working on that. I thought like I was in great shape, like, you know, sort of like the best shape of my life. I went to the gym several times a week. I, you know, I rode my bike to work all the time. Um, so I, you know, I, I really felt like, you know, prime of my life. Uh, um, uh, Sounds familiar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so yes, things have been going well. Yeah. And then when did you first start to feel symptoms? Of COVID. Uh, so early on, so like the first weeks of March uh, 2022, um, I mean, it was a little bit weird being in uh, like a small town in Mississippi because we weren't really, you know, we weren't really one of these epicenters. So, mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, you know, so like I tell people, it's like, oh, I'm feeling sick. And they're like, oh, you're watching too much news. It's like, obviously, you know, you can't have COVID here. Um, and in fact, I called, you know, sort of my, my, um, my primary doctors at the health center. And, and they said, it's like, well, you know, we only have three COVID tests. And like, you're in such great health that we're not really worried about you at all. So why don't you just, you know, sort of stay home and go to the hospital if it gets bad, but we're going to save the tests for people we're more worried about. So um so, uh, uh, yeah, so it was early on and it was always, uh, you know, it was a, a, a sort of a question mark of whether I had it. I, I will add, so later on, I actually got um, kind of this really very long email from a student of mine uh, who she'd been a student uh, in, in one of the classes I'd been teaching. And actually she'd been like sick that entire semester. I'd been kind of frustrated with her because she like kept missing classes and, uh, you know, she'd have to come and like make up the quizzes, like sitting in my office uh, sort of next to me. And then she'd be sick again next week. And I kept thinking it's like, nobody's sick this long. Anyway, she wrote me this sort of like long uh, confession, I guess it was that she had been in China over uh, Christmas break and hadn't um, you know, mentioned that before. So I'm pretty sure I, like, I know where I got it. But, wow. um, but, uh, but yes, uh, first week of March, I guess, is when I was like, wow, I'm, I'm actually sick with this. Thing that seems to be on the news yes yeah I mean it was kind of bizarre to I was also got ill in early March and it's bizarre to get ill when when no one really knows it's there yet you know, yes some cases in Italy but yeah like other parts of the country and, and the world who just weren't hearing yeah like there was much. this thought of like there's no way it could be here and even for her I feel a little bit sympathy with her because she was in a part of China you know she wasn't in Wuhan you know she she was in a part where they weren't saying that they had COVID yet clearly it was much more extensive than than anybody knew yes and so what was your acute acute uh, COVID like it wasn't that bad. It was, uh, you know, I guess it was kind of flu-like, but it wasn't the worst flu that I'd ever had. I mean, there was like the sore throat. There was some. There, there were already some strange things that um, I'd never experienced with other sicknesses. There were sort of like like the weird like neurological component. Like from the very beginning, mm -hmm. I had these sort of. Um, I guess I, I I can now put the word like derealization on it, but at the time I like I, I'd never sort of felt it before. This sort of feeling of like, uh, you know, I like stepped into like the Alice in Wonderland world where everything just seems uh, sort of dreamlike and and strange. So. Um, I had those fairly early on, and but then there were also just a lot of you know the the sore throat and and um, and, uh, and and so I spent like the first two weeks um, mostly sort of monitoring you know it was sort of mostly a fear that you know there was this phrase like precipitous downturn that uh, we were all on the lookout for so. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, so I, I kept looking for that and it never happened. So I made it through about two weeks um, and I figured it's like, okay, that's uh, it's over now and I'd better right. get back to my life like normal. Um, and, you know, I never had a huge fever, but, you know, fever was gone. It's like, all right, I, uh, <laughs> I guess I made it through. Um, right. Uh, so, I, yeah, so I had, I, I would call it a moderate acute phase, I suppose. Um, yeah, it doesn't sound too bad. Like, um, it's, it sounds a bit more like what the media was describing about people who are not elderly, that you'll just be like, okay, well, 
one or week two, two week cold or flu and then you'll feel fine <laughs> Exactly. So that's what everyone was saying. And, I, and of course, there was, you know, this whole idea. It's like, oh, I'm so healthy that like, yes. I'll, you know, I'll get through this just fine. Um, uh, and then, so did you have a did you have a period where you felt like fine? And, and then the long COVID hit? Or yes. So I would describe it um, as uh, three phases. So I, 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 I sort of see it as three phases. There was this acute phase, which was not that bad. And then there was this, so afterwards, it's like, okay, I guess I'm recovered. I'm going to get back to my life. Um, but I never felt totally normal. I, I described this as the three month long acid trip phase. <laughs> where I sort of continued to feel this sort of like weird, you know, sort of like detachment from life, you know, like I was sort of like seeing, uh, seeing everything like through a, you know, sort of like through an inverted looking glass or something. Um, so, um, so I continued, you know, there continued to be some like weird neurological effects. And also there were, it was sort of punctuated by these, I call them like episodes or that, um, uh, which, um, which I think in hindsight, we can sort of like figure it out were probably like little mini strokes or something, but like these little sort of moments of like, just, I felt like I'd taken like a massive dose of drugs and it was, you know, sort of full on, like, you know, the, all the proportions of the walls started moving. And um, anyway, so wow. this was actually kind of a scary phase of like, sort of worried about um, if I was like having, you know, like many strokes or not, but it also, it was, you know, sort of, I was not obviously sick with COVID anyway. Um, so that lasted, uh, so that lasted several weeks. So if I got sick in early March and then this sort of continued, um, and then eventually, yeah. so my, my doctor sort of put me on, started taking a regime of, you know, sort of like the baby aspirin to thin the blood. And that, that sort of calmed down uh, just in time for this phase three, which, you know, I'm sure like the long COVID people know well, it was about like three months after that, you know, it felt like the hammer just came down and like my body just like stopped working. Like every system of my body just kind of uh, shut down. And that was about right. you know, sort of three months, um, three months out, probably like end of May or so. And so when you say shut down, could you describe the sorts yeah, of things that were happening? it was, um, I mean, it, so, um, uh, I mean, I wound up being like pretty much bedridden. It was hard for me to do more than, you know, I, I, I could get like, I, I get up to go to the bathroom and like, you know, refill my glass of water was pretty much that. Um, and I would sort of tell people that, but like the bedridden aspect actually wasn't the frustrating. It was like the, uh, it was also like the worst thing clearly was like all parts of my body broke down, including my brain. My brain just sort of broke. And so it felt like, um, uh, you know, like this sort of concussion phase or something. Anyway, it was not only was I bedridden, but uh, like I had to be, you know, like in it with like the lights turned down and my eyes closed and, um, you know, I couldn't really do it. Like I couldn't read uh, at that point. Like I just I physically could not like read more than a, a sentence. I couldn't watch TV or like interact with any screens. That was just way too overstimulating. I couldn't really have a conversation that lasted more than five minutes because that would just sort of wipe me out. Um, so really I just, you know, I had to like sit in the dark with my eyes closed. Um, and this lasted, yeah. And this, and this sort of lasted months. You know. Again, yeah. I'm sure this is you know, a familiar story for 
Uh, yeah, it's certainly familiar to me because I did have the chronic fatigue syndrome stuff mm. myself. And yeah, what you're describing is very familiar, unfortunately. Um, it must have felt very disconcerting, particularly for your line of work as an academic researcher. It, it yeah, have... it was. I mean, there yeah. was, um, uh, it, it sort of dawned on me that, uh, you know, again, there was like months with sort of no sign of improvement at all. And it's like, well, uh, you know, this, uh, like I, I, a moment of saying it's like, like I, I uh, you know, like I am going to have to say goodbye to, uh, to my work. You know, this career that had, you know, was sort of a central part of my identity. Because, like I mentioned, I'd gotten a book contract in February, and I kept, you know, I kept like trying to, you know, there'd be moments when I felt it's like, oh, I can, I have a little bit of energy, and I would sort of like try to drag myself to. Uh, you know, work on it a little bit, and I just found like I like I, I physically couldn't, and so I had a sort of process of like saying goodbye to that and saying, well, that's clearly not going to happen. You know, I gotten I gotten in advance, and I like told my husband, it's like, all right, don't spend any of that money because clearly we're going to be like returning that money um, <laughs> you know, when I'm not able to uh, deliver this uh, this manuscript. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, it was both, you know, like, uh, I mean, it was difficult because these things had been, you know, like using my brain had been a core part of my identity. Um, it was also, you know, how I made my living. So it was sort of disconcerting to think of like, what would what would happen without that? Um, but yeah, that was, it was, that was a part of the, part of the whole uh, stressful, um, stressful moment. Yes, indeed. Well, at least it, like your husband was there, so I take it he was helping while you were bedbound. Then, so that he was, he was. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I will say it took him a while. Um, mm. You know, like the whole process was just so strange, and I had a hard time sort of articulating exactly what was going on, just because it was so far outside of my previous experience. That I think that he really did not, you know, sort of get what a <laughs> what what a big deal this was so it sort of took him a long time I think to uh sort of like um fully come around but uh but he did he did actually yeah I mean it was so confusing when you when you don't know what's happening to your own body let alone yes. any like observers <laughs> kind of looking yes. in and yeah and then he um uh yeah as I, as I mentioned I was like 48 when this is happening so you know he uh, and I and I guess you know he thought he was being useful but um it kept like bringing up it's like so maybe this is menopause and it's like like the fifth time he said this i just you know i just shut him down um uh, luckily my sort of doctor was um was uh you know sort of with me from the very beginning on this um good but, you know, so did your doctor have an understanding of like you know related to conditions like ME-CFS or whatever, did, did he kind of, the doctor kind of get it? Um, so, yeah, sort of. Um, so she, for, so, uh, um, I mean, in a way I feel like I, I'm extremely lucky because she's somebody that I had known for 20 years and I actually like had known her outside of our, you know, uh, our profession, you know, that relationship as well. I considered her a friend. Um, and in fact, about sort of a few months before all of this happened, we happened to be like at this party together where they're having like 
this you know sort of dance contest uh, with this sort of thing that involved essentially sort of like me like energetically jumping down jumping up and down for a period of like two hours so um she had walked away she's like wow you're in good shape so that had like you know happened right before so I feel like she was in a position to sort of believe me when I said you know like I, I can't get out of bed and it's not because I yeah you know, I'm deconditioning so, um, yes so she like her take what she I mean in a way it was it was frustrating not with her but with you know sort of the entire situation where she, you know she's so like she's like well we don't know what to do so um yeah. but uh but yes her her take was that you know sort of some she told me early on it's like well you know sometimes with viruses there's a long route and a short route and you know for some people it's two weeks and for some people it's you know it can take a year and so um uh, so I guess that was the, sort of what we were, we were operating on. Okay. And uh, so in the early months then of long COVID, did you try anything to see if it would help aside from? Oh yeah. I tried sort of everything, everything anybody ever mentioned. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I took, I, I bought a ton of supplements, um, mm. you know, um, and I always sort of ran them past my doctor and she was like, fine, like, like these at least won't hurt you. Try, you know, <laughs> try whatever you want. So yeah, I tried a ton of stuff and, you know, it's hard to separate out. I wasn't really doing, you know, controlled experiments. Uh, you know, I would just sort of take, uh, yeah. take whatever I could. Um, I mean, some things like, um, you know, like antihistamines clearly had an impact on the symptoms, even if they, mm -hmm. you know, if they, if I didn't feel that they cured me. Um, I mean, it's hard, uh, you know, the, I mean, the other thing, I actually tried this fairly late in the game, but the uh, the natokinase and the serapeptase, I felt actually um, mm. uh, may have helped. Um, the other thing is that I, I got a round of Paxlovid, and this was very late. This was about like, you know, two years after. Um, oh, and yeah. for me, that was sort of a real turning point in, um, in um, like, I felt that I was getting better, but it, Again, it may have been just a question of timing. So, um, so it's hard to know. I mean, I tried, I tried a bunch of stuff and it's hard to know. You know, yeah. nothing was an absolute magic bullet. Um, no, 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 definitely. I mean, obviously we were just all, from the first wave, we were just super desperate. <laughs> just trying yes, yes. whatever yeah, people suggested, <laughs> just like, okay, it's not gonna kill me, let's try it. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I, I mean it was a real insight into, um, uh, you know, the, the sort of allure of, uh, uh, you know, things that I may have been suspicious of or, you know, before, like, sort of, because, uh, uh, you know, like, my, I, 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 I was somebody who, uh, you know, thought that it's healthy to have a level of skepticism, you know, I like to have a sort of scientific mindset, um, but then, you know, I, I, uh, I, I sort of realized in this process that, you know, sort of skepticism wasn't helping me in this, no. you know, like the scientific method wasn't like, giving me anything. Um, yeah, it was like a sort of willingness to, um, to try a bunch of different stuff. Yes, definitely. And you say you um, heard about things. So did you join the Slack group, the Body Politics yes. Slack? Yes, yes. That was an absolute godsend for me um, because really, and I remember like my first post to them, it was just a sort of cry of anguish of like, 
you know, like weird things are happening in my body. Nobody believes me. I feel totally alone. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I, I mean, it was just a, a you know, like a, a moment of like desperation of, uh, of, of feeling both, you know, sort of completely alone and completely you know, sort of unvalidated and, uh, and unbelieved. And so finding uh, a community of, of people was just absolutely crucial. Yes, for me too. Yeah, I found them a few months in um, through the Ed Young article about yes. long haulers. I was like, oh, it's not just me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That article too was, I mean, I think, you know, I think there were like tears in my eyes as I read it to like sort of see, uh, you know, sort of <laughs> see a bit of recognition. Um, yeah, you know, I, think, I, sort of, um, I, I hadn't, I mean, I hadn't really been telling very many people, including, you know, sort of family members, just because it was also like weird and, you know, poorly understood. And so that article became a, something that I could like forward to them and say, like, yes. <laughs> you know, actually, this is what's going on. Most definitely. And if people listening, it was in the Atlantic. I think yes. it was something, I think the first article, he's written dozens of articles about long COVID now and he's like a long COVID hero. No, <laughs> I think is, it was something like um, <laughs> that the, these people caught COVID and then never got better. And that was like basically a title, something like that. But yeah, when I read that, I was like, oh. <laughs> I just, yeah. And, and, and joining the Slack community for me was um, also just a lifeline. It, it, it really was um, because uh, I mean it was a strange moment because on the one hand I didn't really doubt myself but on mm. the other hand I sort of knew what it looked like from the outside I mean I sort of whenever I made an attempt to tell somebody especially because it's so weird because like especially like people that had seen me you know I'd gotten sick in early March and then they saw me like out and about and you know uh, April or something and now I'm telling them in June that you know it's like oh I have to spend all day you know in bed in the dark and then they'll be like what this doesn't make any sense and I like I realized that so part of my brain like realized that um like you know <laughs> like like none of this made any sense but then the other part of me is like but I know that it's really happening and so just you know finding the other finding other people um was uh, was absolutely crucial Yes, absolutely. Um, and so it goes back to the timeline then of your long COVID experience. So like through like the months, like into 2021, like were you feeling the same or did it ebb and flow? Like what was the progression? Yeah, there was definitely an ebb and flow. There was definitely this moment of like, I would feel a little bit better. And then, um, you know, I because I felt like all of these like obligations you know, to, to do things. I mean, I still, I had two kids and, you know, so whenever I felt a little bit better, I'd be like, okay, now, especially like, you know, I, I realized at one point that cleaning the house was like the bane of my existence. Cause as soon as I felt a little bit better, I'd try to like, uh, you know, clean the, clean the bathrooms. And then that would just sort of send me straight back to, to bed. So there's definitely this, um, uh, uh, you know, sort of, um, uh, crash cycle that I'm sure is very familiar again to, uh, to people. Um, so to, to get back to the timeline. So again, like about three months is when, um, uh, you know, sort of things got bad. And then um, it, so there really wasn't any clear 
indication of recovery. There was a sort of up and down, but the downs would be like just as bad as they'd ever been. Um, and then for months, so for months, it just, it really, things were not getting better. Um, and I sort of in my mind, so I, I'd also become, you know, aware of the MECFS community. Um, and I remember like the first time I began hearing about this, it's like my mind like immediately rejected it. It's like, this is like, this cannot be what I have. It's just, it seemed like so horrible that like it, this could not, I just like refused to contemplate that that's what I was dealing with. Um, and I remember reading, it's like, well, so the, the, the technical definition is it's so an illness that um, doesn't get better after six months. So I remember at like the six month stage, I did an evaluation. It's like, I still, you know, it was as bad as it had ever been. But at that time I told myself, well, I'm going to say six months from, you know, the onset of, you know, the, um, this, uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the bedridden, yeah. you know, post-exertional yeah. malaise, dysautonomia, like that whole thing. So it's like, I'm going to date the six months from then, which meant that it was about nine months out. And, um, and so like at nine months, I had to evaluate and I'm like, it's still really bad. I mean, there's still virtually no signs of improvements at nine months. And I think that that was sort of like this moment of uh, sort of re, <laughs> I, you know, there's sort of a, uh, a, a shift, I guess, in my psychology for this. I mean, maybe I can best describe it. It was almost like an act of submission to this, of like really wrapping my mind around the idea that, you know, this is not something that, you know, I can scour the internet and find a cure for. This is a genuine, like life altering event. And I have to, um, I have to, you know, sort of how to learn, learn how to live with the body that I have now, I guess, is, um, is how I thought about it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, this is, I guess, uh, when um, I really shifted strongly to uh, less about sort of like fighting, you know, sort of fighting for some sort of magical cure and more about it's just I'm going to, um, like essentially relearn how to live in this body, which um, involved. So the first step was uh, breathing, getting the, the breathing back. I don't know if you had this issue, um, but like one of the, you know, one of the 40 different systems, uh, symptoms, sorry, that I had was that uh, my body essentially kind of forgot how to breathe on its own. So, um, you know, if I wasn't actively thinking about breathing, I would honestly find, like, my, find myself like sort of holding my breath. And then after like 10 seconds or so, there'd be like this big gasp. Um, yes. So it's essentially like I had like sleep apnea, but when I was awake. Um, <laughs> right. So, uh, so, you know, I would just sort of like spend again, you know, I, since I was spending hours, you know, in the dark <laughs> with my eyes closed, I mean, it really, um, you know, it became, I thought of it as sort of, it's, it's my full-time job now just to like lie there and like think about my breathing. Um, and so I, you know, I did, um, you know, a pretty wide variety of different breathing exercises. I mean, I think they were all helpful, um, mm -hmm. but the sort of like structured breathing of being, you know, sort of really uh, aware of how your diaphragm is moving and sort of controlling it um, right. in, uh, in, in specific patterns. That, like I said, that, that, that became my full-time job at that point. Yes. 
Absolutely. Um, and so by, when you describe this breathing, like a diagrammic breathing, mm -hmm. were you using um, like any of the, uh, the programs that were like the stasis? I did. I did. Um, yes. I, I, um, uh, and again, this was sort of through body politic. They offered us, you know, sort of some free sessions with uh, the stasis people. So I took advantage of that. I found that very helpful. Um, and uh, like I said, I did, you know, in some ways it was sort of like a variety of, uh, of, of, of different things. But yes, I think that the, the this core idea of, um, of uh, you know, sort of controlling your breathing and having patterns where, you know, you sort of breathe in for six seconds and hold it for six seconds and breathe out for six seconds. That was kind of a, a core, a core baseline of um, the kind of okay. stuff I was doing. Okay, cool. So that's like a bit of a, like a box breathing style then, yes. um, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, I mean, um, for me, I didn't, I, like I, my body remembered to breathe, but my, my, my because I had double pneumonia in my <laughs> acute phase, no. um, I, I couldn't breathe deeply at all. And so all my no. breathing was in my chest. And so like for me, the breath, the breath dysfunction was about getting it into the rest of my lungs. And that was a process. Um, but yeah. yeah, absolutely. Breathing techniques can help. Yeah, them. I mean, it was, yeah, because um, I felt like on the one hand, I kind of felt like I didn't have like that much lung involvement with my problem. Like um, mm. Mm. I felt like it wasn't necessarily that, uh, um, you know, that my lung, but, but it, also at the same time, it was the fact that I wasn't able to take deep breaths uh, at, at, at one point, um, um, I remember like, you know, on the early, like at one point my, my doctor was sort of like trying to figure out. And so they had taken um, like some sort of x-ray that um, of my lungs, she wanted to see, you know, if sort of my lungs were expanding. And then um, they, she looked at them and they were on the one hand, like fine, there was no pneumonia, but I remember she looked like really um, puzzled and then said, so are you like a swimmer? Do you swim a lot? And I was like, no, why do you ask? And it's like, well, because swimmers sometimes are able to give themselves like this over inflation, um, which is apparently what my lungs were doing. And, and oh. I think it was a sign that like the diaphragm wasn't emptying the air out properly. So they would just, so the air would keep coming in. Anyway, but the, right. the fact that the diaphragm wasn't working, I think, um, oh. led to all of these sort of strange breathing problems. Uh, the interesting okay anyway um <laughs> so um so we're, we're doing the the breathing then like did you find that uh, um after a certain amount of time doing these exercises that it gradually improved yes like, yes um yes so um i felt that it was a, a question um yeah so that was so that was probably the the point at which I began to see sort of gradual, um, fairly steady in, improvement. Um, I felt that getting the breathing back in line was crucial. I felt that that was also related to uh, sleep. I mean, I was having a problem where uh, you know I'd sort of like wake up every fifteen minutes in my sleep, and I'm not necessarily sure that it was related to the fact that my body was not breathing on its own, but it seems sort of related. I'd like wake up with these big jerks and like take a gasp of, of breath, mm -hmm. um, and that meant you know I'd wear my sort of like Fitbit, and then it would show that I'd been getting like zero deep sleep the entire night, um, yes. and so that began to improve as well. And I felt that you know the getting those two things 
things in order provided at least a sort of like a little baseline of um, of uh, of yeah sort of allowing for um, more sustained improvement yes well I mean breathing and sleep are quite important to yes. survival <laughs> yes <laughs> so we're healing too <laughs> um and so you said um as well that meditation was something that helped you did you find when you were bed bound where you did that like at what point did you start to do some meditation yeah and so fairly early on i mean it was um you know there were, part of it was there wasn't uh there wasn't a, a, a lot else to do i mean i'd been so um you know, I've been like a runner all my life. I've been like one of these people that feel like if I don't get, you know, like my cardio workout in and like my brain, you know, I'm not in the right headspace. So it was very frustrating to not be able to do that. So in a way, you know, like meditating became, you know, it sort of filled this function that previously like, you know, going for a run or something um, would have. So, uh, you know, so I approached it with the, the same mindset. And um, I try, you know, like early on, I would, you know, find like little guided meditations on, on YouTube. And I found those sort of very useful, although I did wound up getting sort of tired of them at the end. So they're actually, uh, I, 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 yeah, you know, there's not a firm line, I guess, between the, the breathing exercises I was doing and, and the meditating. I mean, they would sort of, um, sort of become the same thing. I mean, when you're, mm -hmm. <laughs> when you're doing nothing, but focusing on your breath for an hour or more, I mean, I feel like essentially it's, um, it, you well, know, absolutely. It's, uh, <laughs> that is I mean, um, one of the main ways to meditate is to focus on your breath. Yes, yes. <laughs> breath um, so it makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah and it and it was the kind of thing that um and and again i like i i um i compare it to like running and that it was kind of painful at first uh and it was sort of hard to get myself to do it and i had to sort of force myself to do it but um but after a certain period of time it's you know it's something that i look forward to and it's something that you know like <laughs> like once you start doing it you sort of like feel you know you're just like slipping into this really comfortable uh, comfortable state sort of euphoric state almost in a way absolutely I mean you're preaching so quiet here <laughs> uh, but yeah I, I like obviously meditation if you've never done it before it can be pretty tough to try and yeah focus on for even five minutes or ten minutes but in time like the brain is like a muscle in time you, yes. you, you like you can build and build and before you know it like like you say you can reach a great state of calm or a great yeah. even euphoria um if you if you get deep into it um really, i think that that's exactly like running too i mean all like mm. uh, you know even if you know in the moments when i would like sort of stop for a little while and getting back into it i found that it was always like super painful to you know sort of start running uh if you haven't been doing it and it's like <laughs> you know it's like how can anybody enjoy this and you have to sort of build up um and it doesn't really become enjoyable for for really quite a while actually for you know for a few weeks of doing it every day but then well like once you um once uh once you've gotten you know once you've trained yourself to do it then um that's when the the real joy can um, can come in excellent and i do I, I feel like it was definitely true for me and i'm sure it's true for others that like guided meditations like a regular meditation break through the day can be so helpful for pacing uh, yes. with chronic fatigue syndrome 
It's yes. a way to really get your whole body and mind to just completely rest yes. for, like for periods. Um, so did you think it could have been something that helped you to recover? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was an absolutely key component. Um, I mean, I, I also, you know, I was, um, I, I was very convinced of this idea that there was some sort of dysregulation in my nervous system as well. The, mm -hmm. the idea that uh, you're sort of stuck in this sympathetic state. And then, um, you know, so the so part of the idea is that you're trying to coax your body back into this parasympathetic state. Um, and so, yes, I think that that was um, uh, the, the um, you know, sort of, sort of physiologically, um, meditation was uh, yes. the only way that I, I really found to be able to do that. Yes. And then later, and then later yoga. So it started out just, you know, sort of like laying, uh, you know, sort of laying in bed in the dark. That's all I was able to do. And then, um, so from, so, you know, you know, we're at this sort of nine month period when like nothing's working. Uh, and then it would sort of slowly over the course of the next year, I would say, it was just this absolutely excruciatingly slow process of, you know, sort of expanding on that. And, you know, it took a few months, um, you know, to get to the point where I felt willing to try. So the first thing I did, uh, you know, this is when we were all on Zoom. So I had a friend who is a, um, she's sort of like a movement teacher trained in the Alexander technique. So she was doing this like Zoom class, mostly to, you know, 90 year old women, but it was about, I think it's called like intentional movement or something, but it was like this really sort of slow movement, but focused on, um, you know, sort of pairing it with a uh, emotional state somehow. Anyway, so I took that on Zoom. Um, uh, you know, we're all sitting in our chairs, you know, reaching up. Um, uh, and so I did that for about a month, and then I sort of graduated from there to like the, the really like super gentle yoga. Um, and then I, started, you know, it was just like the super small increments of like adding a little bit of, uh, of movement. But again, it was, I, um, I really thought about it as uh, it, it was really about sort of breathing first, it was about you know, sort of mindfulness first, and then it was just sort of incorporating movement into that. Yes. Um, you know, again, trying to like trick my body not to go into this uh, flight or fight mode. Yes. And did you like adding the movement part? Did you have any crashes or kind of setbacks? Uh, um. Yes. Yes. Um. Uh. I mean, I had to always sort of gear it. I mean, I, I got to, you know, sort of like familiar enough that I could sort of tell when, um, when I was overdoing it. And it always, you know, and unfortunately the signal of overdoing it was always like, it's like, oh, I feel great. And, <laughs> you know, you feel like, like uh, full of adrenaline or something. And then like that night, uh, I wouldn't be able to sleep and then like the next morning I'd like wake up and like feel like completely like hung over and <laughs> the terrible headache yes. oh yeah, that's uh, a so yes. point so the, um actually that you can like with chronic fatigue syndrome you can have um I can't remember what it's called now off my head but like there's like warning signs that you might mm -hmm. crash and yeah. I think it's, it's good for people listening to to to, to know that you didn't already that you can look out for certain things in your body, some signs. Like for me, one of my signs was suddenly feeling cold. 
if I knew if I if I'm doing something and I'm having a nice time and then suddenly yeah. I feel cold, I'm like, whoa, okay, I need to stop. I need to rest to try yeah. and and, yeah, yeah. and um by by kind of like offsetting it with rest, you can in yes. fact yes um not crash um yes. and that's like I guess energy management what I want yeah yeah it, it really it, it felt like um a lot of it yeah was like sort of figuring out how to <laughs> how yes. to how to juggle all of these things for me it was uh feeling shaky um yes. there's a moment I felt kind of like a little shaky or, or trembly or something like you know like I'd had five cups of coffee I'm like okay this is uh this is me sort of moving into the state because the um in the you know the crash comes like for me, at least 36 hours later, but, yes. um, but it's always preceded by this, um, yeah, like, a, uh, you know, sort of like shaky adrenaline state. Yeah, there is a term for it, but I just can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, okay, and um, so through um, the movement, through the yoga, do you feel like you were slowly like increasing your strength, like your muscle mass was like, improving, things like that, or not really? <laughs> kind of, like I kind of, you know, um, slow, I mean, uh, yes, I guess. I mean, doing... Um, Doing yoga was better than, you know, being completely immobile for 24 hours, but, um, but I didn't really focus too much on strength building. Um, I mean, it was really, I, I wanted to, um, you know, sort of like reincorporate sort of movement back without, you know, without freaking out my body. Um, yes. it, uh, it, it, I, I would say that was one of the sort of late additions was actually any sort of, um, Okay. Strength, uh, strength so so you're saying so you basically you're telling me that with your the movement that you were doing um you were teaching your body that what you're doing is safe and that you can do it and, yes. Yes. and yeah so if, like if you know the system is so, what you're saying and i guess the next steps up so it was uh you know the, the sort of meditating in bed and then you know the intentional movement yoga and then um Next up, uh, so Pilates, I guess, uh, mm. I added to my repertoire. And then um, once, this is once I started sort of going back to the, the gym. And then also um, I began like walking. So I would like walk to the gym. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, good. and especially like outside. And then again, I, like I'm, it was a very sort of like intentional walking where I'd spend a lot of time like looking at the leaves and the trees and, uh, I found I had like this tendency to like, you know, sort of like let my mind, um, you know, sort of spiral uh, when I go for walks and I tried to you know, sort of counter that and like, be very present. Um, yes, that's know, actually like um, a type of mindfulness, like a walking meditation. Yes, yes, that's yeah, cool. yes. Um, <laughs> <doing that. laughs> nice. Um, so how far were you walking then to the gym and back? Like how far was that? It's about, it's about half a mile. Okay. So, yeah. And it used to like, so my routine before this is that I always used to like run to the gym. Like I would, <laughs> you know, like that'd be my like little warm up, <laughs> and then I'd work out and run home. So it was, you know, sort of a little modification of my you know, sort of pre COVID routine. Right. And then did so the Pilates, did that go well then? You started yes. to just gradually build on that. Because Pilates, in my mind, is quite, I guess, quite tough. But I guess if you just yes, do low reps or whatever. Like and I, I felt, um, uh, you know, I, I, 
I took modifications as they call them sometimes you yes. know it's like everybody else was in plank and it's like maybe I'll just do a child's pose uh, yes. so I uh, you know I, I had um, sort of no problems um, you know, sort of not doing some of the hard stuff uh, but also you know it felt uh, it felt good to you know, be challenging myself in certain ways, you know, sort of probing the boundaries of what I was able to do. I mean, again, I, I felt like I was approaching it from this mindset of like, I'm learning how to inhabit this body, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, sort of figure out how to you know, live in the experience of this body. And so, um, so yeah, it was good to try different stuff. And again, sort of be very attuned to, um, to its limits. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so, in addition to like the kind of movement piece, then were you trying to um, ease back into more stuff in your other areas of life? Um, yeah. Like so, work, um, like so that. yes. So, so, so work was a tough one. Um, mm. I, um, I, I, I was able to sort of get through <laughs> through it. I remember, like in the bad days, um, I, you know, I had a bunch of accumulated sick leave that I used to um, sort of reduce my teaching load and then we were able to do sort of modifications. Um, so I did that for a year and then um, the next year in you know, sort of 2021, I guess in the fall, I started returning to a, a more of a full load. And so that I will say that that, um, you know, I, I always sort of pulled back on any kind of exercising um, because that was Sort of utterly exhausting. I mean, when I yes. returned back, especially to like giving large lectures, I mean, that's, wow, yes. yeah. <laughs> I would have to just like go home and like you know sort of lay down, uh, yes. lay down for hours. After, and so, was this full that. full time, like five days a week? It's it, it not so for my uh, position. I teach uh, sort of, it's, it's considered like 40% of it is teaching, 40% is research, and then 10% is service. So the, the teaching, it's two classes, and I was able to get them um, so that, you know, sort of I taught um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I always had a day to essentially like lay there and recover uh, and, right. and, and do nothing. So, you know, like, I, I mean, to be perfectly honest, like, I don't know how like high school teachers do it. I mean, I, my, my heart absolutely goes out to, you know, teachers who are in the classroom five days a week, um, you know, sort of dealing with students all day. I, that seems exhausting. I mean, I, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I had, I had a hard enough time, you know, sort of like doing the, the two classes yes. three days a week. Um, but, um, and then, um, my, uh, you know, sort of my, uh, you know, the chair of my department, I think was pretty, um, understanding about reducing my service load. Um, and then for research, as I said, I had sort of given up, you know, sort of like given up the idea that I, uh, I was actually going to be able to, to, to finish my book. Um, but that is something that I found myself able to return to. Um, and it was really over the summer, I guess, of, of 2021 um, that I, uh, you know, sort of opened it all back up and was sort of like excited to get uh, back into it. So, um, so I, you know, I was able to complete that, submit the, the manuscript. Um, so it's coming out wow. in April. Uh, so did you submit the manuscript on time, despite everything? Despite, yes, despite, well, oh. I'm, I'm trying to remember, I, I'm trying to remember like what the actual dates were. I think I may have, 
um, I, I may have asked for a little bit more time, but something like, you know, sort of completely like, like three months or something, uh, something reasonable. Right. Um, well, I mean, bravo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, to be able to write a book, despite a long COVID and everything, <laughs> that's, that's tremendous. Um, it, uh, yeah, it, um, it, um, it, it, yeah, that, that, that felt good to do. I mean, that was something that was important to me. I mean, because I, I'd been, I mean, the truth of the matter is I had actually been working on this book for like eight years at this point. I mean, I had sort of sure. done all of this work, but, um, and so when, you know, as I, I'm sure you know, for like nonfiction books, you, uh, you submit the proposal and, um, and uh, you know, you still have to write the book. But on one hand, I, I sort of had, you know, I had all of the research done, um, you know, I had uh, the structure in place. Um, and, uh, and yes, I was so <laughs> happy to get that across the finish line. Fantastic. And so then um, you, so you were back at work, you were yes. um, ramping up the movement and exercise side. Like at what point did you feel like that you felt more or less back to normal or close yeah. what do you think yeah i would say that? um probably so i guess may of this year so may of 2022 um this is when so i i had this round of paxlovid and so i went off all of my supplements because mm. i'd been mm -hmm. you know i i'd been taking <laughs> these these antihistamines you know sort of i i i found you know if i if i stopped taking them I would really notice the symptoms ramp up, but at the same time, I didn't want to take them for the rest of my life. So this was the big question of like when yes. I would be able to sort of wean myself um, from these supplements. So I um, I tapered off of those. I sort of took the Paxlovid, and I um, I felt great. Uh, so I didn't go back on. Um, and at that point, uh, um, I, I was sort of like thinking in my mind, like I feel. I feel great. I, uh, I I didn't go around telling people because I was, uh, you know, I, I felt like the big test at that. Well, at that point, that was at the beginning of the summer. And it's like the I wanted to turn my book in at the end of the summer. And it's like, well, if I can get my book in and I don't crash, then I will, you know, declare myself recovered. And so that's what happened. So I guess in August of 2022 is when I really um, uh, yeah used the right. word <laughs> yes and so i guess that was so over two years from your initial infection but you're saying that because your long covid hit like three months later that was about the two month sorry two years into long covid is the point that you recovered yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um or yeah a little or you know i yeah i guess it's almost exactly two years from um the uh the the specific long covid stage yeah interesting yeah. and just to rewind a little bit then so uh the paxlovid like why were you prescribed that like what like who prescribed it what was the thinking so this was again this was like you know the, my doctor i really i did not see a lot of specialists i mean i just i wasn't sure like who i would go see so i'm just sort of you know seeing my my general practitioner and yeah and, um I, I just had a yearly checkup and um you know, I had like a list, I brought a like a list of, you know, all the supplements I was taking. I also had like a little list of like, these are some of the things that other people have been trying. And it was like a list of five things. And sort of most of those, she's like, well, 
you know, <laughs> we can't do those, but like Paxlovid, that's an easy one. I think uh, part of it was that, you know, we had a bunch of Paxlovids in our pharmacy and then nobody was using them <laughs> at that moment in our town. And so they're okay. kind of there. So, I, I, I mean, I think it was in some ways like an off-label prescription, but I think the attitude is like, it's here, we'll try it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I know it's not available in other parts of the world, or at least not for non-acute reasons, I think. So it's interesting to hear about your experience. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, and and again, like I, um, I, I, I remember like immediately taking it. Like there, it was a there were some unpleasant side effects, um, but at the same time, like I felt like honestly, like I could like like jump over buildings or you know like, um, it, it, you know like <laughs> go run a marathon. I mean, it just it felt like you know like strange to be like sort of flooded with energy after like two years of <laughs> of, of, of not uh of not having that um yes fascinating and so do you feel like uh the Paxlovid like really just kind of got rid of the dust of the fatigue like did it just I mean again it's you know it's so hard to you know because I I definitely was on a path of improvement mm -hmm. at that mm -hmm. time and so it yes. may have just been a question of, of timing um but uh but it did feel like it sort of uh was a you know sort of coup de grace so for the uh for the yes. yeah i'm obviously like if it feels in your body like it's really feeling good <laughs> Then you, then you yeah, know. yeah, exactly. And it was, <laughs> you know, and it's not, um, and it's not, I guess, as if I've felt that way for every single moment, you know, since then. Um, there, I, I did notice the sort of rebound that um, that some people have uh, have have noticed with Paxlovid, um, but at the same time, like I never went back on any of my supplements and. Um, I, uh, you know, and then I also began experimenting that summer with, uh, you know, sort of doing cardio workouts, doing, you know, mm. so the weight, you know, intensive weightlifting. Um, and I haven't gotten any, um, uh, uh, you know, crashes from, from those. So, I mean, it right. does kind of feel like, yes, you know, a corner has been turned. Yes, that's when I kind of started to admit to myself and others that I was recovered when I was doing the cardio again. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> like, yes. I can do cardio for months and no crashes happening. So, okay, this is a sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and um, it really, yeah. And I mean, it's funny to like, I've gone through for two years to like live in such fear, you know, because like my entire um, day was, uh, you know, about managing energy and about, you know, sort of being careful not to overexert myself. So, <laughs> It was, um, yeah, there was a, a real sort of uh, trepidation, I guess, about like going back to, you know, intensive workouts. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the fear is real. And yeah, once you've been through all of that, you can never forget. <laughs> you can yeah. always like, yeah. it was just wonder like, okay, you know, when could the relapse be around the corner or something like right. that? But, yeah. 
yeah obviously now for for many months then you've been feeling good and so what do what does your life look like now do you feel like back to everything you were doing pre-covid or are things like modified sort of my life looks well pretty much like it did pre-COVID. Um, I mean, there, there are some caveats. Like I said, like I used to ride my bike to work and we, I live at the top of this hill that is both very steep and very long. So I, I actually, I used to kind of enjoy it. Like the end of my day would be like this just absolute sort of wipe out, you know, like full on uh, anaerobic, like ride up the, the top of this hill. Um, and I, I bought an e-bike, I guess, <laughs> like the difference. So I, I'm back to riding my bike to uh, to work, but I now, you know, have, yeah. uh, have a motor helping me up the, the hill. Um, I, uh, um, I do, uh, I, 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 I have retained um, a sort of mindfulness about, you know, like, adding in little sort of meditation pauses, I suppose. I don't, I no longer, I, I don't do very many hour long meditations anymore, but I, I definitely um, am sure to like, you know, it's, it's still like every time after I teach a class, like the next 10 minutes are spent, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, with my eyes closed, uh, yes. breathing, um, breathing consciously. Yeah, that's why is to take frequent breaks and to be fair everyone in society should take breaks yes just like, yeah, yeah. we're yes. not robots <laughs> <laughs> no one is available so um yeah so you still have like a certain element of pacing still in your life yes yes yes. i, I guess yeah. yeah just the kind of awareness of, of not not overdoing it yeah absolutely um so i guess that's the thing i'll ask then is like is there anything in particular you'd like to say to people listening to this who still have long COVID in the trenches, any, any words of wisdom <laughs> you'd like to say? You know, um, it's wisdom or not, but, um, but, you know, I think a key to this, at least for me, it was like, like learning how to be gentle with yourself or the idea that you need to be gentle to yourself. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know like why I'd gone through most of my life without, you know, and I wasn't like sort of deliberately like thinking that I was, you know, setting out to be hard on myself or anything, but it had just sort of never occurred to me to, um, you know, sort of like extend, like actively extend, you know, sort of like grace or kindness to myself. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I think that that's an important Thing. I know there was one moment, so I, I told you that like, I was willing to try anything, um, you know, with the head down when I was in the, the depths. And so one of the things I was doing was this sort of lymph, lymphatic massage where you, um, you try to get, you know, sort of your lymph fluids and you do it by sort of like stroking yourself really gently. So I would spend, you know, a, bit, a good bit of time, like, you know, sort of like gently stroking my neck or like behind my ears. And at one point it's like, I feel like, you know, this is like when I'm petting my cat. And then, you know, I sort of think it's like, well, you know, like, why, why not, uh, you know, like, be as nice to myself as I am to my cats. I mean, like, I'm so, like, sort of gentle and kind to these, these cats who are, like, horrible creatures. I mean, these cats are total jerks. I mean, they don't deserve to have anybody be nice to them. But, you know, like, I'm so, uh, you know, like, I'm 
I treat my cats really well. It's like, well, why not? Like, you know, pet myself the way I, I pet my cats. Um, Absolutely. So, so yes, be, uh, be gentle with yourself. Treat yourself like you'd treat your cat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Because you, you deserve it just as much as they do. Probably more. Words to live by. <laughs> Um, and we'll just finish up then. Do you want to share um, some information about your exciting new book that's coming out? Oh, sure, what sure. Yes. So, uh, uh, yeah. So it's coming out in April. Um, it's actually it's it's being published both in the U.S. and in the U.K. as as well um, as two different titles. So in the U.S. it's called uh, Elixir, uh, a Parisian perfume house and the quest for the secret of life. And the, the title in the UK is Elixir, the story of perfume science and the search for the secret of life. Um, so, uh, um, so there it is, it was kind of, I, I will add, it was a, a little bit strange to be writing a book about perfume um, at a moment when like my own sense of smell was, uh, was sort of strange and distorted. <laughs> but it also like really made me appreciate how important smell was. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. So is it like um like a history of science type? Yes, exactly. Book? So the history of science is my field. And so uh yes, I'm interested in these uh these perfumers who actually were really sort of very central to these sort of 19th century uh questions about, you know, yeah, are you know, is 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 the, is the chemistry of living things like drawn from plants, is it the same as you know, sort of the chemistry of non-living things? The answer is actually no. Um, and, you know, sort of they're the guys that show that, you know, in opposition to uh, most of these academic chemists. Wow, fascinating. Well, excellent. Well, thank you so much for the call today. Well, thank you for doing this. I mean, I think it's important to, you know, sort of have stories of recovery. I definitely <laughs> would have loved to, to hear some when I was uh, in, the, in, in the trenches. Thank you for listening to the Long COVID Hope podcast today. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed listening and got something out of it. Please note we are not medical professionals and this does not constitute medical advice. Always speak to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any new treatment, supplements or beginning a new exercise routine. You can learn about me, Sarah, the long haul yogi, via my link tree, which is linktree.com forward slash long haul yogi. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at the same long haul yogi handle. I offer weekly yoga for long COVID sessions most Thursdays, which are online via Zoom and are completely open access and donation based. I also have an on-demand yoga series, which you can purchase and tune into at your own time. I'm on YouTube, I'm on Insight Timer, and I do some private classes as well. All of the Yoga for Long COVID series is incredibly gentle and focused on listening to your body and going at your own pace. Again, all of this good stuff can be found at linktree.com forward slash longhauljogi. If you'd like to make a donation in support of this podcast, you can find the link to buy me a chai on Linktree as well. Thank you in advance for any donations. They're gratefully received and really do help me to build on and improve this podcast. Lastly, I wanted to say to you, wherever you are in your long COVID or chronic health journey, know that things can improve. Keep the hope alive. Speak to you next time.